This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. And tonight is a speaker meeting. So our speaker tonight is Fran. Thanks, Kate. I'm Fran. I'm an addictive eater. Hi, Hi Fran. As you look around there, I thought, oh, you put the <laughs> 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 I don't know your eyes came in. <laughs> Never mind. And I have remembered to put my lippy on. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, the looks always counted for me because they were always going to make me better. And as I was thinking about what I should share tonight, I remember my trip to Australia when I was in the food. So it was, um, you know, food, food, food over there, no different to here, of course. But I bought um, 19 pairs of earrings, <laughs> three holes. We had them done at work because one of the ladies in the cl um, clinic there used to quickly do things. <laughs> so we're all going around with these holes in our ears. <laughs> so lovely earrings, there's the Egyptian ones and there was um, turquoise and there was birds and there was all sorts of things. And it was always going to make it different, you know, the look and the smell. I was <clears throat> that was my um, hippie phase. So I had Kami, Kama Sutra perfume, <laughs> short hair, and all the earrings, and it was all going to work. But when it didn't, um, I went back the other way, and I used to get my hair permed. And I'd buy Oscar Delorenta perfume. It's hellishly expensive. I don't know how I managed to buy it, but I must have stunk of it, you know. And so it was all up from here up. It was from here up. Oh, God. That was the other battle, you know. And I really thought if I tried, it would be better, and it never was. Because at the same time, I was eating and getting bigger and bigger, and um, until you know, nothing much fitted at all. And um, there were so, you know, lots of fads along the way. Um, the Egyptian, no, Israeli diet, that's right. And good old Weight Watchers, and I failed miserably there. And the biggest failure really was when I went back, had, I'd lost the weight, and something made me go back. I thought, I've got to go back. Otherwise, I'll put the weight on again. And so I went back and they laughed at me because I didn't need to lose the weight. So I left down those flight of stairs and I never went back. I thought that was so horrible to me. But um, that was just part of being, you know, incredibly oversensitive, which I thought was all to do with the weight. But in fact, coming to these meetings, I learned, you know, that's what we're like. We're oversensitive. Because, you know, if, if it wasn't about the weight, it would be about something else. And so, you know, the battle continued of eating and um, trying the things that I thought would be make it different. You know, I always wanted a relationship that lasted. And, um, and I could never figure out why they didn't last. 
And then as I got sicker, I could never figure out why they didn't even start. <laughs> I was just like, my God, how many parties can you go and stand there waiting for it to happen, you know? But, um, you know, that didn't happen in the end either. And, um, you know, that feeling of being totally different, absolutely different, which is, was part of my self-centeredness because we're not different, really. There's trucks of people with this, this disease. And even when I look back at my primary school, uh, we were sat in um, the tables for problematic kids. Really, we were the kids that didn't learn very well, and the nuns had us earmarked. And you know, we sat there. Uh, we probably all would be seen as having ADHD now because none of us could keep still. And we didn't learn well, and we didn't concentrate, and all the rest of it. You know, so I mean, all those, all of those kids had the same disease. But um, you know, the big thing with this disease is that we just go into ourselves on it. You know. Total, totally self-centred, utterly self-centred. I couldn't even see that for the first long while in this program because it was so bad. It was just all the time, really. You know, I didn't like Sundays because, you know, there wasn't as many shops open to go and see and, you know, I didn't like the first day back at work and, you know, I didn't like this person at work. It was always, you know, there was always something that... I thought was wrong, where in fact it wasn't actually, you know, that at all. It was just that I had the disease of addiction. And that bit in the 12 and 12 that says we're emotionally immature, oversensitive and grandiose. Um, well, I'd, I never thought I was grandiose, although I do now. But I could certainly relate to those things. And, um, you know, no other book had I read that, that, that I, would I have heard that or would I have related to. And I know that, you know, one of the, one of, through one of my stages, I went to a lot of um, palm readers and psychics and stuff, and um, one lady sat me down and she said, do you know what your problem is? And I said, no, she said, it's addiction. Well, I was just about out the door. And she sat down a book right next to me, and I can't remember, it was some um, woman who loved too much or something, and she wanted me to read it, but, you know, I did not want to know about it. And I never went back to her, that was for sure. I sort of wonder whether many people go back to her. But, um, yeah, I just did not want to know that I had the same problem as people that... You know, I didn't actually like very much. Um, but in here, coming to meetings, um, you know, I learnt that the reason I didn't like people was probably because they were like me. And, um, and I just didn't want to, I did not want to see that. And I couldn't have seen it, actually. I could not have understood anything like that at all um, if I hadn't been here. This is the only place you know, that I have been able to completely identify um, and completely understand what people say, but it wasn't a me job. I believe it was a God job that got me here. 
um, you know, I've told my story before that I bumped into a woman that I used to do my ACOA meetings with and um, we were both very angry at our children of alcoholics and um, one day I bumped into her and she was smiling I thought, what is she smiling about? <laughs> we never smiled. She had a dungarees and I had my trap trousers and we both had short hair and we were very angry and I said, gosh, you're looking good, what, what are you doing? And she told me and um, she told me about, you know, the meetings and I went to a meeting that night. Now that wasn't a me job, that was a God job because just the fact that I said to her, gosh, you look good, what are you doing? I was never saying those things to anybody, I didn't want to start a conversation. So somehow that happened and I took myself to the meeting that night. She gave me a meeting so she couldn't get out of a bag fast enough. And she gave me, she said, this is the meetings list. I don't think it was even a long conversation, it just was what she was doing and this is, you know, this is it. And so um, I went to a meeting that night and something changed really that I knew that this wasn't about me that somehow some other energy had got me to the meeting and and that same thing kept me at meetings. And I thought, you know, that that is, you know, the biggest thing for me is to know that this isn't, you know, something I can just do. You know, it's like sharing, I can't. I looked at a few things, you know, that I could talk about today, but the fact is when I get in here it happens. And, um, and you know, my life is happening and I was reading, Kay sent me an email today about, um, you know, and it had a part of the big book in it, that we, can, we stop fighting and, um, and avoiding and we let it happen. And um, coming to meeting after meeting after meeting helped me with that, that I could hear what other people had to say. And I could see them getting well. Because there was nothing else. I had tried absolutely everything else and I knew that. And there was times when I'd sit in a meeting and I'd think, would I actually get up and leave? Um, like I used to do with everything else. You know, everything else only lasted for a short time. And I thought it would be about now that I would be thinking, oh, I think I'll just go home. Um, but it, but it, I didn't go home. I didn't go home and I knew that I couldn't if I wanted things to be better. And um, that if I wanted to live without this incredible fear. So, um, yeah, I stayed and I heard, not just at these meetings, but at AA. And I think AA helped a lot because, you know, people had had, you know, harder lives because of their addiction. And they were now out of prison, they were out of hospitals, they were in relationships, some had their own businesses. Um, but the one thing they talked about was actually having a power greater than themselves. Um, and how it had worked for them that they relied on a power greater than themselves rather than on, on them. And um, so I knew to keep coming back and I knew 
you know, to pray to God. And that was, you know, I mean, I was brought up a Catholic, but um, I had spent so many years resenting my religion that I was, I thought I was done and dusted with it. But within days I was on my knees. And um, I thought, is this what it takes? You know, this is what it takes. And I got down on my knees and started praying, and the old prayers came back, really, and it was the God I always had then. Um, and I just stopped fighting it all. Um, resentments, they were talked about in meetings a lot. A lot of the AA meetings were about resentments, the number one killer. And um, started doing the steps and writing down the people that I had resentments against. Um, and it was a very long list. <laughs> but, you know, there were some people that were top of the list. Even though I, my, with my first list, I forgot my family. Conveniently in the second list, you know, I had to put my family, especially poor old dad, um, <laughs> who copped every resentment in the book. Um, because I thought it was his alcoholism that had caused my problems. And I suddenly realised that I had the same problem as him. And we were always very alike. We always were. And we were kind of mates at times. Um, you know, Mum used to socialise and she'd bring people home and Dad would hit the booze and I'd hit the food. And we were dreadful. Poor Mum. God. Dad wouldn't shut up. And I would disappear into the kitchen, you know. And Mum would be trying to entertain people. So we were very, very similar. And I was very similar, if not totally the same as everyone that I ever met at a meeting. Um, because I gave up looking for the differences and looked for the similarities. But, you know, going on and doing the steps, I couldn't delay. Um, you know, I lived on my own. And... Um, so the contact with people in the meetings and getting to meetings and listening to other people um, was very, very important to me because I didn't have much to buffer off, you know, what was going on for me. Um, but I did hear about the character defects through other people at meetings and, um, and I learned that if I made amends, which I was terrified of, then things would be different. And, uh, and they were, you know, the first person I made amends to was a woman who I worked with. And I work in a big area and we all knew each other and it was a bit incestuous really. And um, a lot of gossip and parties and everyone knew everyone else's business. And this poor woman had a really rugged life. I mean, she managed to do a job that her private life was horrendous and I always gossiped about it. You know, it didn't help her at all. But I don't know, it didn't help my connection with her. Um, and one night I was sitting looking at her and I thought, I've got to say it. And I was so terrified. And I just said to her, look, I need to apologise. And I told her what about it and she laughed. She said, I think a lot of people were like that. And we both had a laugh and the evening just carried on. And it was just like a wonderful, amazing experience. You know, no, nothing dreadful had happened. 
and I just felt so much better and we got on better after that. And so, you know, it's it, the, the practices of the pudding, <laughs> so to speak, that, you know, if you keep, um, keep, you know, trying and doing the steps, it gets better. And I had to, went round and um, made amends to poor old dad. I rang him to say I was coming, but he didn't sleep that night. He probably thought, God, <laughs> what's this about now? And, um, you know, we talked, we walked around the garden and I said I was coming here into AA and started. And he said to me, I couldn't find you in the phone book and part of, through part of a yet another phase I'd changed my name, thinking that would make it better. Of course he couldn't find me in the phone book because I didn't even have the same name anymore. And so that was the first thing I made the amends about. I said, oh, well, actually, I've changed my name. And um, and I told him, you know, what I was doing. And he changed the subject completely. I only got probably four or five sentences out and he changed the subject about what they were going to do at Christmas time. And, um, you know, that was all right. Um, I didn't, it didn't even bother me that much. It was his way of dealing with it. Uh, he didn't want to hear, I guess. I don't know, he never said. But we never talked about it again after that, except I made an amend. I, I let him know that I changed my name back, because I did as part of my amends. And I'm sure he was pleased about that, although he never said. Um, but we kept in touch after that. And, and that wasn't always easy, because uh, he was still drinking, and so was my stepmother. And you'd go around, and they'd be in this wee unit, and they'd both be feeding away. And they'd just about be choking. And they um, listened to the radio, and that was at the time where they had the lucky fibre. So every hour, they'd read a number on a $5 note. And if you had it, you rang back and you won the prize. So every, the conversation stopped. <laughs> Even the drinking and the feeding stopped. And they'd wait to see if they'd won the <laughs> They never did rise there. Probably never did. But, um, you know, it was lovely just to actually try and be there. I can't say I always felt comfortable. I didn't always know quite what to say, um, but you know I made that effort and I continued making that effort. And eventually, my stepmother died, and Dad went into our home, and um, and we went to see him there too, and you know took him out for drives and that. And my brother and Dad never got on, and I never pushed anything, but because I had contact again, so did Michael. So that's one, you know, little miracle that they became, you know, okay again. And Michael helped him a lot actually financially and with his legal business. And we were kind of back again as a as a wee family. Quite different, but you know, that's the way it was. And these are the kind of things that I, I heard being shared at meetings. That families come back together or we have new families or, you know. That people become part of our life again, and um, and, and that happened, you know. And eventually, he died, and we were there, and um, 
you know, that it's just the way it was. So there is mir uh, miracles by doing, you know, this program that does work. Um, but you know, I've got to work at it. Um, and today, you know, it's okay. Yesterday I was out um, with my walking group and we went up to, you know, a steepish part on the Banks Peninsula. And, you know, there's sometimes I think God, I'm not going to make it. But, you know, we all did. And it was a bit steep, but it was just, just beautiful up there. Absolutely beautiful. And we walked back through the forest, which I love. And, um, you know, all the greenery and the waterfall and all the rest of it. Uh, and it was just beautiful because today I can see it. I can actually stop and appreciate and see what there is to see. Um, I couldn't have got up there if I'd been, you know, eating. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's life today. It's just lovely. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.